Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This is Minister McMillan. I hope that everyone is having a blessed day today. Hallelujah. Let's all give God some praise this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you all the praise. Oh, Lord, we praise your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord. Lord, we praise your holy name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, oh Lord, hallelujah, 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 oh Lord, we praise you, we praise you, Lord, oh Lord, we praise you, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we give you the praise, honor, and glory. And we thank you, Almighty God, for being with us today. We ask, Lord, that you walk with us as we do with you in your word. Father, help us to understand this word. And help us to be a beacon of light unto others. By the things that we learn through this word, Father. Let it enter into us and become a part of us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Almighty God, for this word. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to understand it. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Yeshua Mashiach. Amen. Amen. Okay, everyone, today we are now in the love book, is what I call it, uh, the book of Esther. Esther is one of the uh, love stories in the Bible, one of the ones that stands out the most. Uh, the other one was Solomon and, um, uh, Solomon and uh, Sheba. Bathsheba, uh, the African queen, uh, which so much speculation uh, behind that story, even uh, to the point that a child was born. Um, <clears throat> is it true? Uh, we don't know. <clears throat> uh, still a lot of speculation about that. However, um, the story today, Esther... There is definitely a lot uh, to be said about what love can do and how powerful love is. Okay, so we're going to start uh, with Esther chapter 1, verse 1. This is what happened during the time of Exaxius, Exaxius who ruled over 127 provinces stretching from India to crush. And at that time, King Exaxius reigned from his royal throne in the citadel of Susa. And in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials, the military leaders of Persia and Media, Media the princes and the nobles, of the provinces were present. 
For a full 180 days, he displayed the vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendor and glory of his majesty. When these days were over, the king gave a banquet lasting seven days in the enclosed garden of the king's palace for all the people from the least to the greatest who were in the citadel of Susa. The garden had hangings of white and blue linen fastened with cords of white linen and purple material to silver rings on marble pillars. These were cotches of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of porphyry, marble, mother of pearl, and other costly stones. Wine was served in goblets of gold, and each one different from the other, and the royal wine was abundant, in keeping with the king's liberty. But the king's command, each guest who, who each guest was allowed to drink in his own way, for the king instructed all the wine servants to serve each man what he wished. Now, let's um, let's just uh, take this apart for a second because I want you to see just first of all how wealthy this man was. Now, this man was not as wealthy, but I want you to see the wealth. This man wasn't as wealthy as King Solomon. But do you hear what he uh, what he had? <laughs> you have to say, what? Uh, <laughs> this man had so much wine, he would tell the people that came. Now, mind you, the people, meaning all the people who lived in the citadel. The citadel is literally the town. Okay, so if you lived in the town, you were able to come to these, this particular affair, okay, which lasted for seven days. So there was food galore, right? There was wine to drink. There was gold and silver on a mosaic pavement. Wow. Right? Marble, mother of pearl. These are costly things. Okay? If you, want to, if you want to see the who's who of the town and of their country, go there that time because they'd all be there. Anybody who knew anybody was there. Kind of like a Hollywood thing. <laughs> okay? All right, let's move on. Queen Vashti also gave a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King Exastius. Okay, why was that? Because normally the women did not uh, hang up under the men. They weren't allowed to. Uh, there were certain times of the year when the women... Uh, <clears throat> There was a certain time when the women were allowed uh, to, um, you know, be uh, in the men's presence, but not for this. This was <clears throat> this was mostly men. Okay, so the women were uh, at Vashti's party. which you can imagine didn't come anything close to the king's party. On the seventh day, when uh, King Exerceus was in the high spirits from wine, he commanded the seven uh, Enochs who served him. Mehuman, Bitha, and Harbona 
pizza, abacus, ab, uh, abagasa, zissa, and carcass. To bring before him Queen Vashti wearing her royal crown in order to display her beauty to the people and the nobles, for she was lovely to look at. But when the attendants delivered the king's command, Queen Vashti refused to come. Then the king became furious and burned with anger. Since it was customary for the king to consult experts in matters of law and justice, he spoke with the wise men who understood the times and were uh, closest to the king. Karshina, Shetha, Adamatha, Tarshish, Mears, Marsana, and Menuchen, uh, the seven nobles of Persia, and the seven nobles of Persia and Media, who had special access to the king and were highest in the kingdom, according to the law. What must be done to Queen Vashi, he asked. She has not obeyed the command of King Exastrius and that the Enochs have taken to her. Then Memucan replied to the presence of the king and the nobles. Queen Vashti has done wrong, not only against the king, but also against all nobles and the people of all the provinces of King Exastrius. For the queen's conduct will become known to all the women, and so they will despise their husbands and say, King Exastrius commanded Queen Vashi to be brought before him, but she would not come. This very day, the Persians and Midian women of the nobility who have heard about the queen's conduct will respond to all the king's nobles in the same way. There will be no end of disrespect and discord. Therefore, if it pleases the king, let him issue a royal decree and let it be written in the laws of Persia and Media, which cannot be repealed, that, that Vashti is never again to enter the presence of King Exastrius. Also, let the king give her royal position to someone else who is better than she. Then when the king's edit is proclaimed throughout all uh, his all his vast realm, all the women will respect their husbands from from the least to the greatest. The king and his nobles were pleased with this advice, so the king did as as Mucant promised. The king did as you can't propose, sorry. He sent dispatches to all parts of the kingdom, to each province in its own script, and to each people in its own language, proclaiming in each people's tongue that every man should be ruler over his own household. Now, this was a little extreme. Uh, considering today's standards. Um, basically, they were taking away the woman's right to speak. Uh, he wanted to show her off, and she wasn't in the mood to be shown off. She was entertaining guests herself, and uh, if you want to really get into this, um, they've been drinking and eating for uh, seven days or so. Uh, and so you can imagine he was pretty drunk. And, um, you know, oh, look, look at, look what I got here. You know, a cute, cute thing. Like, kind of like a toy. And, um, of course, Queen Vashti uh, probably hadn't been drinking as much as, you know, the women probably weren't drinking as much as the men because, like I said, their uh, party wasn't anything at all like the men's. 
Um, and so uh, she was not having it. <laughs> and so if you, if you want to say this kind of was blown up, it was, it was a small thing that just blew up because, uh, his, um, uh, his ego was hurt that she didn't come before him. And, uh, and her pride uh, and her pride was hurt because he asked her to come before drunken men uh, to show off her. And, you know, it's like, it's like for a woman, it's kind of disrespectful. Um, you're not thinking about her. You're thinking about yourself. And uh, who, who would know what would happen in a situation like that? Um, being that you're the king and that's the queen, um, you know, things could go wrong, go south. Okay. Um, however, these things transpired because there was something being set in motion. So, um, let's go now to chapter two. Later, when the anger of King Exastrus had subsided, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what he had decreed about her. And then the king's personal attendant proposed, let a search be made for, for beautiful young virgins for the king and let the king appoint commissions in every province of his realm to bring all these beautiful girls into the harem at the citadel of Susa. Now, okay, so now, <laughs> just like any other man, okay, he realizes, oh, what did I do? After he, you know, you're drunk, you make rational um you make irrational decisions, um, and this, you know, being the king of the country, you really have. And after the men have drunk, they all realize, oops, you know, we might have done something that wasn't quite right, because now, you know, now that everybody's head is clear, uh, the king is remembering uh, his wife, and we've We've done away with her. She's been put out. So we got to get him some, some, someone quickly. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's go to verse three. Let the king appoint commissioners in every province of his realm to bring all these beautiful girls into the harem of the citadel of Susa and let them be placed under the care of, of Haggai, the king's Enoch who is in charge of the women and let beauty treatments be given to them. Then let the girl who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. Uh, this advice appealed to the king and he followed it. Now there was in the citadel of Susa a, a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin named Mordecai, son of Jah. Uh, the son of Shimei and the son of Kish, who had been carried into exile from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Among those uh, taken into uh, exile from, I'm sorry, among those taken captive with Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Mordecai had a cousin named Hazadasha, uh, whom he had brought up. A cousin he named Hadasha, whom he brought up because uh, she had neither father nor mother. So her father and mother must have been killed. Uh, this girl, who was also known as Esther, was lovely in form and features, and Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter 
when her father and mother died. When the king ordered the edit, he had been proclaimed. Many girls were brought to the citadel of Susa and put under the care of Hegai. Esther also was taken to the king's palace and, and entrusted to Hegai, who had charge of the harem. harem. The girl pleased him and won his favor. Immediately, he provided her with her beauty treatments and special food. He assigned to her seven maids selected from the king's palace and moved her and her maids into the best place in the harem. Esther had not revealed her nationality and family background because Mordecai had forbidden her to do so. So every day he walked back and forth near the courtyard of the harem to find out how Esther was and what was happening to her. Before a girl's turn came to go in to the king, Exexius, she had to complete 12 months of beauty treatment described for the woman six months with oils of myrrh and six with perfumes and cosmetics. And this is how she would go to the king. Anything she wanted was given her to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. In the evening, she would go there and in the morning return to another part of the harem to care of Shahagaz, the king's Enoch, who was in charge of the concubines. She would not return to the king unless he was pleased with her and summoned her by name. You see, <laughs> like I said, all this was because of his ego. And so now he's subjected so many women, uh, literally, to exploit. Because that's what this is. Sadly, uh, during this time, that was considered okay. It's not considered okay today. Uh, that's more or less runs on the line of uh, um, seduction and rape. Um so uh, these women were perfumed and puffed up and beautified for this one night that they would uh, basically sleep with the king. And he would decide from that whether or not they were the ones he wanted uh, to be with. Okay. Um, When the turn came for Esther, the girl Mordecai had adopted, the daughter of his uncle, Ab Abihal, to go to the king, she asked for nothing other than what Hagi, the king's Enoch, who was in charge of the harem, suggested. And Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. She was taken to King Exasius in the royal residence in the 10th month, the month of Tibet, in the seventh year of his reign. Now, the king was attracted to Esther more than, more than to any of the other women, and she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So, he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And the king gave a great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all his nobles and officials. He proclaimed a holiday, therefore, uh, he proclaimed a holiday throughout the provinces and distributed gifts with royal liberties. When the virgins were assembled a second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, but Esther had kept secrets 
from uh but Esther had kept secret her family background and nationality just as Mordecai had told her to do for she continued to follow Mordecai's instructions as she had done when he was bringing her up. <clears throat> okay. Uh, during the time Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Begatha and Tiresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, became angry and conspired to assassinate King Exasius. But Mordecai found out about the plot and told Queen Esther, who in turn reported it to the king, giving credit to Mordecai. And when the report was investigated and found to be true, the two officials were hung on the gallows. All this was recorded in the books of the annuals in the presence of the king. Chapter 3. After these events, King Isaias honored Haman, son of Hamathitha, the Agonite, elevating him and giving him a seat of honor higher than that of all the other nobles. And all the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid, mm, knelt down and paid, uh, paid honor to Haman, for the king had commanded this concerning him. But Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor. Then the royal officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai, Why do you disobey the king's command? Day after day they spoke to him, but he refused to comply. Therefore, they told Haman about it to see whether Mordecai's behavior would be tolerated, for he had told them he was a Jew. Then Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor. He was enraged. Yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of this whole kingdom of Exastrius. Exerceus. Um, in the twelfth year of King Exerceus, in the first month, the month of Nisan, uh, they cast Pur, that is the lot, in the presence of Haman to select a day in a month. And the lot fell on the twelfth month and the month of Adar. Then Haman said to King Uh, King Exerceus, uh, there is a certain people dispersed and scattered among the people, peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom, whose customs are different from those of all other people and who do not obey the king's laws. It is not the king's best interest to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them. And I will put 10,000 uh, talents of silver into the royal treasury for the man who carries out this business. So the king took his signet ring from his finger and gave it to Haman, son of Hamadith, and the Agai, the enemy of the Jews, and kept the money. Uh, the king said to Haman, And do with the people as you please. 
Then on the 13th day of the first month, the royal secretaries were summoned, and they wrote out in the scripts of these promises and in the language of each people of Haman's orders to the king Streps, the governors of various provinces, and the nobles of the various people. These were written in the name of the king Exerceus himself and sealed with his own ring. Dispatches were sent by carriers to all the king's provinces with the order to destroy, kill, and annihilate all the Jews, young and old, women and little children. On a single day, the 13th day of the 20th month, the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods. A copy of the text of the edit was to be issued as law in every province and made known to the people of every nationality so they would be ready for that day. Spurred on by the king's command, the couriers went out and the edict was issued in the citadel of Susa. And the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Susa was be, was bewildered. Why do you think that was? <laughs> Remember now, uh, the king of Persia, Xerxes, took over... Well, his father, or grandfather, took over, um, uh, took over Babylon, where all the all the Jews or the Hebrews Israelites were taken um, from Israel, right? <laughs> so this is why, because the city has probably seventy five percent is uh, Jewish. Um, when Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the city wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. In every province to which the edict and ordered of the king came, there was great moaning among the Jews with fasting and weeping and wailing, may uh, many laid in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's maids and Enoch's came and told her about Mordecai, she was in great distress. She sent clothes for him to put on instead of his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther mourned. Uh, then Esther summoned Hathetish, Half, half one of the king's Enoch's assigned to attend her and order him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. So Hakatish went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. And Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had uh, promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa, to show to Esther and explain it to her. And he told him to urge her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. Hathach went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, All the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, and that he be put to death. The only exception to this is for the king to extend the gold scepter to him and spare his life. But thirty days has passed since I was called to go to the king. 
When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he went back. He sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are the king's, uh, you are in the king's house, that you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will rise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to the royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. Okay, so. <laughs> uh, so after all that, she does not get to see the king until he calls her in to be seen by him. Wow, that's, that's really something, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, boy. Can you just imagine that today? <laughs> wow. <sighs> See, you have to think about these things because the the uh, strain, uh, the things that happen uh, during that time, uh, you have to have a lot of faith and strength. And you hear people today saying uh, they can't go without having some kind of relationship uh, more than a day or more than a week. You know, husbands and wives are groaning about not uh, being with each other, having sexual relationships of any kind. <laughs> more than a day or a week. Here it is, a king doesn't call his wife into his quarters. The wife don't even sleep with him. What? What? Okay. Why? Because he's got other concubines. Exactly. He's seeing other concubines. All those other girls that went in with her, they didn't, they became part of the harem. And whenever the queen, uh, whenever the king fancied them, okay, he would call upon them. So, she had not seen him had not been with him for 30 days. That's a long time. <clears throat> okay, we're going to move on into chapter 5. Okay, sorry about that. I lost my uh, headpiece. And we're trying to put it back in. And there we go again.
<clears throat> okay, sorry about that. Had some problems with the headphone. Okay, we are back. All right, we're going to move on into chapter five. All right. Thank you. Uh, chapter 5, verse 1. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her and held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Then the king asked, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given you. Now, <laughs> This is how you can see uh, how uh, her presence overtakes him. Just looking at her, he's just butter. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> see, women really have, women have to understand your worth. This is what God says about a woman's worth, Okay. Woman has a worth. If it's not her beauty, it's her intelligence. It's if it's not the beauty out, it's the beauty in. You all have a worth. And to each man, whatever his appetite is, uh you're you're drawn to him by that worth. <laughs> so this woman was <laughs> she was very beautiful to look at she was smart and um she was she was his delicacy you might say <laughs> okay uh, let's continue on um verse four chapter five verse four if it pleases the king replied esther let the king together with Haman come today to a banquet i have prepared for him Bring Haman at once, the king said, so that we may do what Esther asked. So king and Haman went to the banquet. Esther had prepared. As they were drinking wine, the king asked Esther, Now what is your petition? I will be, give, uh, I will be given you. And what is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted. So Esther replied, My petition and my request is this. If the king regards me with favor, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, let the king and Haman come tomorrow to the banquet, and I will prepare, I will prepare for them. Then I will answer the king's question. So Haman went out that day happy and in high spirits. But when he saw Mordecai at the king's gate and observed that he neither rose nor showed fear in his presence, he was filled with rage against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home, calling together his friends, Zeresh, his wife, and Haman boasted to them about his vast wealth his many sons, and all the ways the king had honored him, and how he had elevated him above the other nobles and officials. And that not all, Haman added, I'm the only person Queen Esther invited to accompany the king to a banquet she gave, and she has invited me along with the king tomorrow. But all this gives me no satisfaction as long as I see that the Jew Mordecai sitting at the king's gate. His wife Suresh and all his friends said to him, 
Have a gallows built 70 feet, 75 feet high, and ask the king in the morning to have Mordecai hung on it. Then go with the king to the dinner and be happy. This suggestion delighted Haman, and he had the gallows built. That night the king could not sleep, so he ordered the book of the chronicles, the record of his reign, to be brought in and read to him. It was found recorded that Mordecai had exposed Bigthana and Cherish, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, who had conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. Nothing had been done for him, his attendants answered. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jumped over it. Uh, who guarded the doorway, who had conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. What honor and recognition has Mordecai received for this? Uh, the king asked. Nothing has been done for him, his attendant answered. The king said, who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer courts of the palace to speak to the king about hanging Mordecai on the gallows he had uh, erected for him. His attendants answered, Haman is standing in the court. Bring him in, the king ordered. When Haman entered, the king asked him, What should be done for the man the king delights to honor? Now Haman thought to himself, Who is there that the king would rather honor than me? So he answered the king, For the man the king delights to honor. Have them bring a royal robe the king has worn and a horse the king has ridden, one with a royal crest placed on its head. And then let the robe and the horse be entrusted to one of the king's most noble princes and let them, uh, let them robe the man the king delights to honor and lead him on the horse through the city streets, proclaiming before him, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. Go at once, the king commanded Haman. Get the robe and the horse and do just as you have suggested for Mordecai the Jew, who sits in the king's gate, and do not neglect anything you have recommended. So, Haman got the robe and the horse. He 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 robed Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city streets, proclaiming before him, "This is what is done for the man the king delights to honor." <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! <laughs> When you think of doing something wrong to somebody, <laughs> it does come back to bite you hard. <laughs> Afterwards, Mordecai returns to the king's gate, but Haman rushes home with his head covered in grief and told Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends everything that had happened to him. His advisors and his wife, Zeresh, said to him, since Mordecai, since Mordecai, before whom you your downfall has started, is of Jewish origin, you cannot stand against him. You will surely come to ruin. While they were still talking with him, the king's Enoch arrived and hurried Haman away to the to the banquet Esther had prepared. <clears throat> So the king and Haman went to dine with Queen Esther, and as they were drinking wine on the second day, the king asked, again asked Queen Esther, what is your, your petition? It will be given you, and what is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted. Then Queen Esther answered, if I have found favor with you, O king, and if it pleases your majesty, 
Grant me my life. This is my petition. And spare my people. This is my request. For I and my people have been sold for destruction and slaughter and annihilation. If we had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept quiet because no such distress would justify disturbing the king. King Exerceus asked Queen Esther, Who is he? Where is this man who has dared to do such a thing? Esther said, The adversary and the enemy is this vile Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and queen. The king got up in a rage, left his wine, and went out into the went out into the palace garden. But Haman realized that the king had already decided his fate, stayed behind to beg Queen Esther for his life. Just as the king returned from the palace garden to the banquet hall, Haman was falling on the crotch where Esther was reclining. The king exclaimed, Will he even molest the queen while she is with me in the house? As soon as the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face, and then they come, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbana, one of the Enochs attending the king, said, A gallow seventy-five feet high stands by Haman's house. He had it made for Mordecai, who spoke up to help the king. The king said, hang him on it. So they hung Haman on the gallows he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's fury subsided. <laughs> See, the very thing that you planned for somebody else, it comes back on you. Okay? That's a life's lesson. So for those of you out there scheming and conniving, thinking you're doing something to somebody, know, know this. There is a God in heaven that's watching, and the scales will tip back on you. Okay? What you plan for somebody else, look out. Now, is it going to happen that day? Maybe not. Is it going to happen that week? Maybe not. Maybe it won't happen for a month. Maybe it won't happen for years. But God has the right time, and it will come back to you. Okay? Okay, chapter 8. The same day, uh, King Exerceus, uh, gave Queen Esther the estate of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai came into the presence of the king, for Esther had told how he had related to her. The king took off his signet ring, which he had reclaimed from Haman, and presented it to Mordecai. And Esther pointed over him Haman's estate. Esther again pleaded with the king, falling at his feet and weeping. She begged him to put an end to the evil plan of Haman the Agite, which he had devised against the Jews. Then the king extended the golden scepter to Esther, and she rose and stood before him. If it pleases the king, she said, and if he regards me with favor and thinks it the right thing to do, and if he is pleased with me, let an order be written overruling the dispatches that Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agite, devised and wrote to destroy the Jews in all the king's provinces. For how can I bear to see disaster fall on my people? How can I bear to see destruction of my family? 
King Exerces replied to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, Because Haman attacked the Jews, I will give this estate to Esther. And they have hanged him on the gallows. Now, write another decree in the king's name in behalf of the Jews as seemed best to you and and seal it with the king's signet ring. For no document written in the king's name and sealed uh, with his ring can be revoked. At once, the royal secretaries were summoned. On the 23rd day of the third month, the month of Siviv, uh, they wrote out all Mordecai's orders to the Jews and to the satraps, satraps, governors, nobles, and 127 provinces stretching from India (coughs) to Kush. These orders were written in the scripts of each province and the languages of each people, and also to the Jews in their own scripts and language. Mordecai wrote in the name of King Exerceus, sealed the dispatches with the king's signet ring and sent them by mounted couriers who rode fast horses especially bred for the king. The king's edicts granted the Jews in every city the right to assemble and protect themselves, to destroy, kill, and annihilate any armed forces or any nationalities or provinces that might attack them and their women and children, and to plunder the property of their enemies. The day appointed for the Jews to do this, all all the provinces of King Exerceus was 13th day of the 14th of the 12th month, the month of Adar. A copy of the text of the edict was to be issued as the law in every province and made known to the people of every nationality so that the Jews would be ready on that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. The couriers riding the royal horses raced out, spurred on by the king's command, and the edicts was also issued in the citadel of Susa. Mordecai left the king's present wearing royal garments of blue and white, a large crown of gold, and a purple robe of fine linen, and the city of Susa held a joyous celebration. For the Jews, it was a time of happiness and joy, gladness and honor, in every province and in every city. Wherever the edict of the king went, there was joy and gladness among the Jews, with feasting and celebrating. And many people of the other nationalities became Jews. Uh, Many people of other nationalities became Jews because Fear of the Jews had seized them. Okay, that's the uh, where we're going to leave off today. Uh, we'll pick up in chapter 9 tomorrow. Dear Lord, we thank you, Almighty God, for this word you've given us today. And Father, we thank you for the lesson that comes with this word. Father, we give you the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, everyone, this is Minister MacMillan. Uh, for those of you, don't forget, we have sponsorships and donations on this page. Feel free. You can also reach me at lmcmill at e at, uh, sorry. You can also reach me at macmillan75gmail.com. Um, you can also reach me through anchor.fm right slash lender dash mcmillan nine or you can reach me at uh my um facebook uh linda mcmillan just drop me a line and i will get back to you okay all right everyone i hope that you enjoyed uh today's reading uh remember now um there is so much in this concerning men and women's relationship. 
uh, and how much love really uh, blossomed here in this story. Uh, we have not finished it yet. We will start again tomorrow in Chapter 9 uh, to see the outcome of this story. Okay, everyone? This is Minister McMillan saying have a blessed evening and good night. Thank mm-hmm. you.